You're listening to AZ Sports with Matt and Rich. Welcome back to episode five of AZ Sports with Matt and Rich. I'm your host, Richard. This is my co-host, Matt. Welcome back. We are uh, five. My favorite number. Let's go. I'm excited. Yeah. Let's do yes. this. We, we have some uh, pretty fun topics here this week. Uh, let's just say, first of all, is the Suns are on fire. Quite literally, the fan base went from being terrified to being uh, not so terrified. So <laughs> we uh, are going to be talking about that this this week. We're going to be talking about a little bit of D-backs news. They uh, have started getting the ball rolling after a sluggish start. Definitely playing a lot better as of recent. We have uh, the draft for the NH- NHL, nope, NFL, <laughs> uh, four days away. So we'll be talking a little bit about the needs that the Cardinals are needing right now. No IFL news. So, or sorry, no, we do have a little bit of IFL news. No Rattlers news. Uh, we do have a little bit of news on the other two teams here in Arizona, which is Northern Arizona and Tucson. They got to play uh, this week. Uh, we have last thing up on the docket was the Coyotes, and we got a couple of short little quick news on there. We uh, are also going to go over a little bit of the blunders that John Chica made uh, in drafting in his tenure as the general manager. And all that is going to be coming at you nice and quick. But first, let's talk a little bit about some personal news. I know uh, we can't go a week without Matt paying for another jersey. So come on, let's see it. What right, did so, you buy this uh, week? Just to just to plug it real quick, uh, I wasted like five hundred bucks in the last four days. So please look at my most recent Jersey Hall video. I could use, I could use some people uh, stroking my ego a little bit. Just kidding. Anyway, so I was at the Coyotes game. They had plenty of a uh, half price authentic Adidas Howling jerseys. I already have two myself, so I, I didn't need any more. But I saw this. I fell in love, and I'll explain it real quick. But it's. It might look to you like a regular Kachino, like that nice little one you're wearing there, but it's actually a CCM throwback. It was just before uh, everything switched over to Adidas and when Fanatics took over, and it was back when they... The third jerseys looked a lot nicer. They cost more, but they, they looked a lot nicer, and you could tell it's it's different because the Phoenix Coyotes patch, and I do not mean to sound hyperbolic. I, I, I'll say it in the, the, the Jersey Hall video. It almost looks disgusting without the Arizona or the <laughs> Phoenix. I just... it. It looks incomplete, and I get it, the simplicity, you know, it is what it is, but that, how the, the you know, collar is just right here. thinner on, on the Adidas and everything, I, I just, I miss this. I know you had a bit of an issue with just how thick the original collars mm-hmm. were, I think this is probably a happy medium for that, but just the beautifully stitched logo, just, I, I feel like even the lines and everything are just a little bit better on this, a little higher quality. I needed it. I wasted 190 bucks. I know it's not a waste, all right, because I have I'm, I enjoy it. But like, don't worry. I when the team to... moves, all this is going to go up in value. It's just like oh the Thrashers. <laughs> I can't get a Thrashers jersey to save my life. I have a practice one, 
and uh, one of those giveaway Zach Bogosian jerseys because that's all I could afford. I I really want the powder blue ones. That's that's the Bogosian one, but I yeah. want a real one. But it's like three hundred bucks. It's it's like trying to find an authentic Adidas reverse retro. One day I'll suck it up. One day I will have fu money, and I I will definitely buy that. <laughs> Today's not the day. Tomorrow's not the day. Next week's <laughs> not the day. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Anyway, I I saw that. I fell in love. I also got a Shane Doe retirement puck, a pin, this bobblehead, and as I was taking it out of the box, it immediately like fell through the plastic case. His leg broke off. I oh. glued his leg to my hand, to my finger, and after twenty minutes of fiddling with that, I fixed it. It's good as new, as long as you're ten feet away or more. It's fine. Just squint your <laughs> eyes a little bit. <laughs> I mean, uh, from here it looks pretty good, but I'm a. Uh... I'm like 40 <laughs> miles away, so... It's, it's fine. It, it's great. <laughs> Pay no attention to the weak leg right here that looks... It has a bunch of... It, it's super glue. But it has are you a bunch sure? of wait, white wait, stuff wait. on it. It's wait. weird. <laughs> weak, weak leg. Are you sure that's not an Ekman Larson bobblehead? <laughs> oh, yeah. Jacob Jekran. <laughs> Auntie Ranta. <laughs> All right. So, real quick, IFL news. IFL, just to give yes. the, the Northern Arizona Wranglers and the Tucson Sugar Skulls a little bit of love. Uh, the, for If you're curious, the Wranglers are my second team because I, I like Northern Arizona more than I like Tucson, and their logo is kind of cool. It was a high-scoring affair in a, in a game that I didn't expect these teams to have a high-scoring affair out of them. 72-62, to 62, the Tucson Sugar Skulls win. Unfortunately, there was no fans in attendance to see because the Boneyard was exactly that, a Boneyard. I think on the, the footage I saw, there was maybe 100 people. Uh, Tucson is very much drying up as an indoor football market. I think it's because uh, the Sugar Skulls sucked last year. D-backs! They, uh, after losing in... It, Embarrassing fashion against the Nationals. So they had back-to-back games. Uh, they were double headers. One they lost six to one. One one to nothing. I think they only generated two or three base hits in that one. They bounced back the very next day, eleven to two. Seth Beer would not be denied. He had like three hits and three RBI. Uh, he played very well. And then Arizona splits that series, winning four to three on April twenty-first. They come back home. They immediately lose to the Mets in a very competitive six to five loss yesterday. Uh, and this this play actually made uh, top ten on Sports Center. I was surprised by this. So they win five to two. But on the very final play, Alcantara over on the third baseline, he dives for the ball and just beams it over to Christian uh, Christian Walker for the the final out in a five to two victory. This if you just look at their last what is this four games? They have won. Uh, I don't know why I got lost in my own head for a second. They've lost. Uh, they've won three of four. They are very quickly. Uh, turning this season around. They might be better than we expected, and even if they just end up kind of capping out just below that, that extra wild card spot that's coming in this year, that is a lot better than we were expecting. And one nice statistic, pitching-wise, is that Merrill Kelly, he is second in the MLB in terms of ERA with a point five nine. And then Madison wow. Bumgarner is eighth with a one three eight among the MLB starters. The D-backs are third in the MLB with a collective two point four five ERA. This wow is it's been a stretch that is just wow. Uh, the, the pitching was always good uh, this year. This year the p- pitching was always good. I think uh, Davies had a pretty solid outing the other night. Uh, I, I think, uh, what is it, Tyler Gilbert came in with a pretty solid effort. I think it was a loss, but he still had a pretty solid effort. Uh, I think that was the one nothing loss, actually, where they had no run support, but still, it's 
they're turning it around, they're turning a corner quickly, and this is more what I was expecting last year of them being a team that's good. I don't know why they fell off so much last year. It, it's irrelevant at this point, but just I, I'm enjoying seeing this. I wish I'd have more time to watch more of the games, but good good on you. And the bullpen has been carrying them a, a, a good amount. It's been one of the strengths, much better than last year. The, the bats are finally starting to heat up a little bit. That was a big problem for the first week or so. If Right now is becoming a better time to watch Diamondbacks baseball, and it, that makes me happy. Because I, I love the D backs and I, I I love watching baseball half yeah. ass out on a on a Sunday recliner with a drink next to me and a notepad in the in the other hand. <laughs> yep, yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that because uh, holy crap, these past couple of seasons have been a grinder. A except for <laughs> except for that sweet what was it a walk off home run to lose the first overall pick? <laughs> what, was uh, that it? Ah, okay, so they they they. <laughs> Two games left last year. All they had to do was lose one. They get the first overall pick, and they get Elijah Green. They won both of them, those bastards. And then, uh, at the very least, Seth Beer in the ninth inning with that walk-off home run. The first player in MLB history with a walk-off home run while trailing on opening day to win the game. I know, very specific uh, statistic, but guess what? We're forever in the history books. You know who else was in the history books this year? The Phoenix Suns, who... uh, I'm going to call you all out right now, and I really hope this becomes one of the segments that Richard posts later. Y'all that doubted this team, they lost one game. They did not shoot well. They did not play well. And the Pelicans had to shoot near historic, near historic levels to do what they did. And y'all are like, oh, I am still a little concerned for the second round moving forward uh, with with Booker's injury, and that was always my main focus. But this team, the culture, the leadership, how well they've played, you know, D-Book still is with them. He's not going to just sit around while they're losing basketball games and just be fine with that. CP3 is not going to just be cool with losing. DA, they fed that beast for 28 points, 17 boards. He had, uh, I think, 13 points in the first quarter alone, 21 points in the first half. A career high for him in the playoffs. DA was hungry, and they were feeding that man. CP3 yep. took over again in the fourth quarter. Even though McCollum hits a three-pointer to, to with the buzzer beater, they still win 114-111. to 111. And I don't care how close the game was. This team was shorthanded. They were shooting, I think, 17% from three or something like that. If they were just shooting their regular average, that's like a 25-point blowout. They were dominating in the paint for the first three quarters. I think it's 54 to 26. Oh, yeah. No. Top my head on all this. All right. I actually got some of this memorized now. And the fact that some of y'all doubted this team so much, it was borderline CP3 and DA slander. All right. It was borderline slander. Like, I get being concerned, but the hyperbolic fake Suns fan energy out there that they lose D-Book. I said before, I I will reiterate it one more time. They are not a a championship team without Book. But they are not a first-round exit without Book. That is ridiculous. That disrespects what they've done this season. That disrespects the culture. It disrespects what they've managed to accomplish. They end up getting that win. It's a 2-1 series lead. While while series are tied 1-1 going into Game 3 in the NBA, 73% of the time the team who wins Game 3 wins the series. And they have the chance tonight, I think it starts at 7 or so, might be a little bit earlier because it's a Sunday, have the chance to put a stranglehold on the Pelicans. The fact that y'all were freaking out so much and now within one game we're right back on being confident again. 
Yeah. If you're off the bandwagon, get off. Like get you do not deserve. You know what? I'm sweating with two jerseys. I'm wearing my D book Phoenix Suns little Ross knockoff jersey just so I can show some support while I'm sweating in this office. Get get off the pot. If you doubt, if you had serious first round doubts, like oh they're going to lose this series now, not oh it's going to be more competitive because that is that is a loss. If that's where you're at, that's logical. But if you legit thought they were just going to crumble. Get off. Get out. Log off. Go away. We don't need you here because that was slander. That was literal, actual slander. That's all I got. I I needed to get that one out. <laughs> good. You feel good? I, you know what? I yelled about John Chica. I yelled about fake. So I, I, I think I'm actually solid to just go hang out in the living room, grab a this little is, Kool-Aid this is your jam zen, and chill. Your, your, <laughs> your, uh, your, your yin and yang have worked themselves out. You're, you're hitting yeah, your zen right now. It's the knuckle up moment, boys. We're we're, we're fine I mean, now. We're good. I I completely completely agree with you. Like if you haven't been watching the season, like that's how they've always been. They've been next man up. Like let's get this done, and they're showing it now. You know, game three was a perfect example. Of that it's just next man up. You know. Don't throw a hissy fit just because somebody's out. Go go and play your game. Be better. Uh, yeah, I, I would like a little more out of Cam Johnson, campaign. I'd like a little more out of these guys. Uh, Crowder is still uh, uh, scoreless from three so far. Yeah, I could agree with you on all those. Those are very valid criticisms and things that do need to get adjusted. They have time to make those adjustments. They, they are not done yet. The series is not over. Calm yourselves. Yeah, and and luckily, like you said, Book isn't like it's not like he's out of the playoffs. Like it's it's just a I think it's a sprain, an ankle sprain, maybe. It's a grade one hamstring strain, and it, strain. Yeah. The the Suns have not confirmed a timeline. They said it's not appropriate to have a timeline right now, but it is typically between two and three weeks. That does not mean Book won't heal more quickly. It does not even mean he won't even be out a month. It things can vary. But I do not see him being out the full three weeks. And even even if so, the Suns team is more than equipped to make it to the first round in five or six games. Give Book a couple of days off. And depend- the second round opponent, to my knowledge, should be either uh, Utah or Dallas. And I can tell you right now, unless Utah gets their stuff together, uh, Dallas is primarily just Luka. I know they have other players. I don't care. It's primarily the Luka show. And then when you look at, uh, at at Utah and how kind of dysfunctional they are and how they blow leads constantly, I think the series is tied because they blew a lead, like a 27-point lead yesterday. I was watching some of it when I was at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Not sponsored, just, just context for where not, I was. Not a sponsor, uh, but can be. <laughs> can be if you give me some free wings cause, or free uh, chicken tenders because the chicken tenders were bad. Anyway, <laughs> but I, I have faith that the Suns could easily go through those teams with Book barely playing. Because I think they are they are deep enough, but they do need to make those adjustments. They do have to have to improve on on what they're doing. Because right now the bench is not being their best asset like they were in the regular season. But it's not over. They're not done. The season is not. They're not just going to crumble. And the amount of people that legitimately thought this team would just crumble, y'all are fake. And y'all did not watch when we were still starting like Marquise Chris 
and and Josh Jet. You were not there for those days. If you if you <laughs> want to talk about uh, Suns teams, you cannot uh, have confidence in. I went to games back because they sucked. It was easier to get tickets. It was cheaper. I don't go now because I'm poor and I'd rather buy jerseys and comic books. But I, I still watch the game. I still keep keep up. But yeah, you weren't there for those days. You weren't there. For them blowing up their three-point guard system because Goran Dragic uh, lost faith in the franchise and Eric Bledsoe famously did not want to be here. You weren't there for that, right? and, and you're acting like this is hardship. It's not. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also well, a Coyotes I, fan, so I'm biased. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, going into hardship here, let's uh, talk a little bit about Cardinals and their hardship. Uh and how we are not going to talk about the whole quarterback situation, but we'll talk about some other needs for the Cardinals with the draft coming up here in four days. What are the greatest hardships that you think that they need to cover at the draft? Well, I, th- I think they, they picked 20 something. I think it's 26. You can uh, correct me if, mm-hmm. if it's on your screen, but they lost Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, even though it wasn't his best season last year, he had a phenomenal week one, but everything else kind of evened out. But you still feel that man's presence. You're going to need another edge rusher, but you're not going to find another Chandler Jones. So just you're going to have to find the best player you can. Uh, they definitely need a wide receiver. They are thin at wide receiver right now. The legend that was Andy Isabella will no longer be with us, so we can't rely upon him bailing us out every week. I know Cardinals fans love him when we dog on Andy Isabella a little bit, but, you know, it's... You could use a solid young receiver, get me like a six five, six six kid that can run, and just we need we need more of that, more depth of that position because the quarterback had less weapons down the stretch. Even though the quarterback still had enough weapons, there was less weapons. I'll give you that. You could always use offensive line depth. I don't know where you would pick that, maybe second or third round, but you can always use that depth there. Corner is another spot they can use another another guy or two. They have plenty of needs. Which is uh, kind of terrifying because they have almost no cap space and they've just kind of lost a lot of players this offseason. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to welcome our basement overlords next year and it's going to be fun to see Cardinals <laughs> fans coming off the high that was 10-2 and two and coming into 3-14. Two and 3-14. And and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's... Uh... I, I think they are officially projected to be out of the playoffs by the the uh, sports betters. I think. Don't quote me on that. I believe they they are. Yeah, they are not looking good in the early projections from all the assets that they lost in the off season, and the assets I've still yet to sign in the off season. Anyway, <laughs> I think that's a good spot to leave off at. Uh, the yeah. Arizona Rattlers' next game is on the 30th. Please make sure to watch that. And I will never be sponsored by them, but I will sure shill for them. Please send me my AZ Sports Guy jersey. That was not cheap, and that was like three weeks ago. At least give me an update! Anyway, uh, <laughs> make sure to watch them. The Suns are on the night, game four. I definitely expect them to win by at least 10 or so points. I want to see DA get fed again. And I think probably this is a game you're going to start seeing that three-point shooting go up a little bit, maybe around 23 22%. Uh, Not as great as you would like, but that still get, should be a decent little improvement. Uh, the Coyotes uh, coming up on their last game at, at GRA, I think, what, next week? Or, or the, the week yes. the following week? Yes, and something like that. I'll uh, be that's there. That's going to be a thing. That's going to be such a, uh, a different thing, man. <laughs> I will be 
rooting for Glendale's demise. And uh, maybe, you know what? To celebrate it, I may, maybe like if you show up a little bit early, I'll show up in my, my cowboy hat, my Wranglers, and we'll just have a little yeehaw rodeo out there to, to celebrate the new uh, rodeo capital oh, goodness. of Arizona. <laughs> you're, you're asking a lot from me here. <laughs> anyway, yeah, maybe. we got some stuff coming up for the next week. The Deep Action still be rolling. And uh, episode five is down. I know we... We technically lied to you. This is pretty much a Coyotes podcast featuring Arizona sports. But uh... <laughs> yeah, I'd definitely say this week it definitely was. Don't worry, the off season for the Coyotes is coming up real quick. We'll be real dry on some content for the Coyotes, so uh, it'll it'll shift focus to. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be the Suns deeper in the playoffs, and then all we'll have is D backs Rattlers. Oh, Rattlers too. Yes. You yes. know what? One one day I'm just gonna pick a random. Day. I don't, we're gonna be light on topics. You're not gonna see it coming, and I'm just gonna go over the history of the ECHL Phoenix Roadrunners just to just to shoehorn oh, hockey into it. <laughs> as long as you read it to me like a children's book. All can, right. So here was their captain from this year to this year, and they had it was a, a stormy run. night. Where they sucked and no one cared about them. And a young AZ sports guy's dad promised to take him to a game after young AZ sports guy was watching 3TV and saw a little segment on uh, on the Phoenix Roadrunners. And then 15 years later, that cynical, fat AZ sports guy bought a lot of jerseys of the Phoenix Roadrunners to make up for the lost childhood he once had. Close the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> My last game at GRA, man, it was, it, it's so hard to explain that I didn't know how to feel, and then they played a No More Sorrow, I think it's a, it's a Linkin Park song, but that was the opening video song for 0708, my first full season there, and yep. I just, like, it wasn't a panic attack, like, I, I, please don't take this, like, as, like, the hyperbolic stuff, but, like, it was, I did not know how to take that information, I didn't know how to accept all of this, and I still don't think it's fully sank in that I... I'm not going to see another Coyotes game at, at Jobby.com, Gila River Arena, Glendale Arena for you real retro folks. Yep. But it's, yep. <laughs> uh, I, I know you, I know you got season tickets. You're going to the last two, but man, I, this, I, I grew up in that arena. My dad worked there. I was there almost every day, days they, they weren't there, days they were there. I had Christmas parties where I got to hang out with the players. It, I'll have to do an entire video just like with memories I had there, but it's the highs and the lows, right? It's I remember, oh I remember God. how incredible that 2012 run was, and being being privileged enough to be able to be there while they were doing that run was just incredible. Like that, I, I, you know, it, it's crazy because as of recent, like the Coyotes have not been very good, and you can tell when they're not very good that the the barn is quiet. It's just like, get this over with. Let's get out of here. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're here to support the team, but we're only here just because we have to support the team. Whereas when they were successful and they were in those playoff runs, like it, it was another feeling. It was a whole different feeling The you know, the electricity in the air was just incredible. And were you there for 2010 too? Like, I'd yeah, Mm -hmm. I want to segue right. into this real quick. I want to know your perspective on this because the bankruptcy to 
we don't know what's going to go on. They might relocate yep. for like the 18th time because they're always in a relocation rumor. But then yep. just, do you remember that video <clears throat> when they, it was against the Red Wings, they were starting it out and everyone, it's a whiteout, my first time seeing a whiteout. And that was, I still can't describe that with words. It was so phenomenal, but it just goes, it shows the headlines from the bankruptcy to it looming over the team. And then uh, the song Alley in the Jungle starts kicking in and it's like, you know, you know, everybody gets knocked down. How quick are you gonna get up? And you just everyone shaking their the free pom poms along to the beat. I still can't find those, by the way. I will pay someone like thirty bucks for one of those. I will waste money. That that's that's nostalgia anyway. But just I it, have I so. have someone somewhere in my dad's <laughs> house. I, I I have one of those. I I made the mistake. So they also handed out in twenty ten. They handed out um, long sleeve whiteout shirts. They were all mm-hmm. long sleeve. And I made the mistake of throwing them away as a kid. Like, I, I wore oh. it for, like, four years, and I nonstop wore that shirt because I was so happy. And it just, like, eventually tore apart. And I was just like, all right, I can't keep this anymore, and I got rid of it. Dumb me, I could have just cut it and turned it into, like, a sleeveless or something, you know. But I was young. I didn't know how how valuable that w- would have been. Basically, current forty-five-year-old Richard would have never done that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just it. I got bullied. I, I this is not a woe is me, but I got bullied for liking the Coyotes, and just you know, even if it wasn't direct, it was just the amount of other fans you see just trashing on the team constantly, and just that that moment that just summarizing the struggles to the highs of finally making the playoffs, breaking that that playoffless drought. Seeing the passion, feeling that energy, it I cried. I, I think about it and still get teary-eyed because it, it's literally this thing that I love more than words can describe. The only thing I'm more obsessed with is Sonic the freaking Hedgehog. And it's just it, getting to feel that, getting to see people loving this thing that I love. I, I how, how how can you describe that? I, I, I don't have the words. I'm not intelligent enough. I can't. I'm sorry. It, it's yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, the best way I can explain it is um, not to go crazy, but like growing up, I grew up religious. And, you know, when you when you go in and you go to church, like just seeing a, a community coming together and being very electric, it's 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 similar. Like sports is similar. And I'm not going to push anything um, like it. It's just it's very similar in the way of that, like. Sports is religion in a sense. Like it, it's crazy how like close you become with other people just because of a crappy hockey team, you know. <laughs> like it, it really does. Uh, you know, it really does have that sense of community, which is interesting because you'd think like, why, why am I swearing, you know, allegiance to a team? You know that that seems dumb, but you know. Hey, we we got to have a sense of of community from something, and you know, sports is a great way to do that. And and just especially when you you go from the laughing stock, no one cares. The apathy at the time, the Suns were still good. The D backs were actually still pretty good. The Cardinals mm-hmm. just coming off a Super Bowl run a couple of years before. And the fact that the Coyotes, like, when they would win, the other teams wouldn't play or they would lose and the Coyotes would still get just a little blurb in, in the side of, like, Arizona Republic. Going from that to just that, uh, it's so hard to put into words, but it just, it meant so much to, yeah, I, I just to have people love the thing that you love and have people just support it and show passion. It's just, I, 
It was... I want more of that because if people say hockey doesn't belong in the desert, Coyotes don't have fans, uh, you can believe this out, f*** you. Because I've seen it. I was in that building. I was there. I, 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 three years in a row, I was there. Uh, there is proof of that happening. And yeah, no. Yeah. And even in the old America West Arena days, yeah, no, you cannot say there are not hockey fans here. It was it was a weird feeling. So, uh, we we had season tickets through that, and um, in 2010, when they were facing bankruptcy and they were very close to being moved to Portland, people don't realize this. Um, Steve Peters, who was the video coach for 20 plus years for the Coyotes, uh, has come out recently and told people like, "Yeah, we we were like told to start looking for houses in Portland." That's how close they were to moving the team to Portland, Oregon. And, um, you know, I remember that season. Like, I remember starting that season and, like, you know, um, the uh, the Florida Panthers, when they were bad, like, get harped pretty hard of, like, is there even 4,000 people at, a, at that arena? Like, it's, it's dead. Um, yeah, that was the Coyotes at the beginning of 2010. It was a weird feeling. Going to a game and being from like 2008, 2009 area, and it was about what it's now where it's like about 10, 11,000 people show up to that beginning of that 2010 season. Like there was nobody there. It was eerie. Like it, it was like maybe 2,000 people, if that. And that was a really weird feeling. And then. As the season progressed, more and, people, more and more people showed up, and it was like, yeah, we don't have ownership. The NHL now owns us, but F you, we're going to do this anyways. And, and just like to was- add on real quick, uh, I apologize for cutting you off. It Early on, it felt like just the people <clears throat> that loved the team and just wanted – pretty much the mindset was almost – if this team moves, I want to be here for the last year. If this team, like, the people that were there mm-hmm. were the diehards, and then, of course, the visiting fans that liked cheap tickets, but just, it, that was the atmosphere. It was, if this team's mm-hmm. going down, we're going down with them. Like, remember across the you, street, where was it the New York, New York, or whatever that restaurant was, where they had the Save the Coyotes rally? Like, it's, yeah. it was just the people that were like, we're going to appreciate every second of this, just in case. Yep. Uh, and also the other crazy thing was in 2010 they you uh if you purchased like more than like 30 bucks at like a fries which is like a food store here in Arizona you got free tickets to the coyotes <laughs> like that's how much they were handing out tickets like it was it was bad it was really bad like it's funny like you you hear so many people nowadays like oh the coyotes like they're not selling, and oh, it's a disaster. Like, just move them. I'm like, you didn't see 2010. Like, <laughs> there's, there's still the Coyotes. Even being one of the worst teams in the league, are still selling more tickets than two other teams. Like, that's impressive. <laughs> like, it could be much, much worse, and, and like, it's not. It's that's that's one of the reasons why we've never turned a profit. Obviously, the numbers are not accurately reported, or at least not readily available for the '90s when they were first here. They were really successful. I have yeah. a hard time believing they never approached profitability. But growing pains, you're, you're essentially a brand new enterprise. Whatever you know, it's common to lose money. But in 2010, people were coming whenever they were getting good and they were fi- starting to fire up and they were going for that playoff run. But when you had 20 or so games, maybe even more, maybe bordering on 30, it just kind of depends on when 
the message really sank in that this team was, was going to go to the playoffs, you had people that, well, if this team's not going to be here, why do I care? Because all the headlines, it's almost, not quite, almost like it, like people are trying to push right now, oh, they're going to move anyway, who cares? And they keep trying to like push that, but that's that's what it was back in 2010. Because people are like, well, if they're going to leave anyway, why would I spend my money? And sure, I can respect the, the mindset of not wanting to waste money. It's kind of one of the things I like about the market. Give us something to cheer for, and we'll show up, we'll spend our money. But at the same time, you know, when this they were trying to find a reason to stay here, and the other people keep saying it's always Batman. No, it's the owners. Because the yep. owners know at the time we were the fourth biggest, now we're the fifth biggest. Yeah. Houston has just overtaken us. You know, when you are that big of a metropolitan area, it doesn't matter if you're a non-conventional hockey market or basketball, whatever. If you can tap in, there's still money to be made. That's why they they didn't want to leave Atlanta. The only reason they did is because they did not have a building or an owner. Like, we at least had the building. We didn't have the owner. We had the building. That's why we're still here because it was pretty much between Atlanta and Arizona. One of them was going to go at that point because they couldn't deal with both of them. I love – that was a great point. I love that Canadians – will absolutely call Gary Bettman a mouthpiece for the owners. They literally say this verbatim. Gary Bettman is a mouthpiece for the owners. And then also proceed to say how it's Gary Bettman who wants to keep the Coyotes in in Arizona. It's like, let's, let's, let's run the hamsters in our brains real quick here. <laughs> let's do some hard maths. If Gary Bettman, okay, is a mouthpiece for the owners, okay, why are the Coyotes not moving because of Gary Bettman? Well, let's follow the chain. Oh, it's the owners. Wow, holy crap. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, well, they would sell out every game in Quebec. Sure, yeah, they would. I've never once said Quebec does not have a great hockey market and fan base. Here's the problem. The Canadian dollar, it doesn't matter about the even the inflation now. The U.S. Yep. dollar is always going to be stronger than the Canadian dollar. I don't More know why stable. that is. If, if you know exactly why, I you do. can put it in the comments. I, I, I know you I, do. <laughs> Go ahead. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Let's run down the pipeline here. What is the most profitable thing in Canada? Well, it's not really technology. It's not really the military-industrial complex. Um, not really car manufacturing. Hmm. Not really batteries. Oh, it's oil. Wow. Okay. So oil is what keeps the Canadian dollar afloat. What are we getting rid of in the next 20 years? Or at least trying to. At least it trying to. where you're at. Let, yeah, <laughs> let me say. I, I understand, you know, for people who aren't really interested in electric right now, but we're pushing away from oil. What do you think is going to happen to the Canadian dollar? Right? When we look at... When we look at the United States, the reason why the the United States dollar stays the way it is, is because we have tech, we have car manufacturing, we have regular manufacturing, we have as much as everything that's going on right now, military manufacturing is a big one for us. Uh, ask anybody who it works around with Lockheed Martin or um, uh, what's the other one, uh, Northrop Grumman. Like these are big, big companies that make a lot of money for the United States. And, yeah, that's why the dollar stays the way it is, because economics, man, how does it work? It You know, you, you got a lot more flow right there. And even then, like, that, that because, uh, again, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and be the dumb person, because for whatever reason, uh, the U.S. dollar is always stronger. 
That's why these owners want to stay in American markets. Why do you think even Canadian teams get paid in American dollars? Contracts are out in American dollars. They, the, okay. If the Houston arena was a situation, was a realistic possibility back when the Jets were were trying to become a thing, uh, I guarantee there's like a 90% chance that Atlanta could have relocated to Houston instead of Winnipeg. They only mm-hmm. went there because they had no other options. It's not yeah. that there isn't a market there. It's not that there isn't a, a it's not something they wouldn't make money. It's the U.S. dollar is more stable. It always pretty much has been. That's why these owners want to stay in American markets, and they're always looking at American markets. I don't yep. get why people like still think like Quebec is actually viable because they they'd rather make more. Because if they if you saw it with 2010, 2011, and 2012, when the team's good, people will show up. Bad management means you're going to lose money. If you have an actual good owner, good management, good arena, all this stuff, and a good team, the profits will come, and these owners know that. That's why they're willing to take these losses, because I will give this to you right now. Every Canadian fan that's ever said this, you are right. We haven't turned a profit. You are right. Revenue sharing is keeping us afloat. You are right. A lot of the Canadian markets, especially because you have Toronto, Montreal, these massive markets, like unrealistically massive markets. That's why they're going to always be there. Are, are helping keep us afloat. But because the owners see the potential here, they don't want to let go unless they absolutely have to. Because if the team moves, there will never be a reason to make another hockey arena. Therefore, there would never be a reason to come back. They know if they move, they will not come back into the Arizona market. They were so they wanted to get Atlanta back so bad they put the Thrashers there. They know at this point they can never go back to Atlanta. Like there, yeah. there is no viable way to go back. And they did not want that to happen. If it was up to them, we'd have 40 teams, and Atlanta would be among them. Quebec would probably be among them because just another additional hockey market, Houston, maybe Kansas City. If it was up to them, like 100%, and the talent pool wouldn't be diluted, we'd have like a 40-team league. Well, well, here's another great one. We're, we're just going straight into the Coyotes news, apparently, because <laughs> we're, we're back in the rabbit hole, baby. <laughs> uh, I'm like a drug addict. I, I can't resist. I'm going back. Can't stop, but, won't stop, boys. <laughs> but it, I find it so fascinating how it, uh, I'm just going to keep pounding on the, the anti-Canada train here. Hey, remember, my predictions were that two Canadian teams were going to make it. We're going to bring the cup back to you, Canada. Okay, so there's some love there, all right? You guys I know can you guys buy in all your money. We're gonna give you some trash from our yeah. poverty franchise. <laughs> yeah, I I respect you guys as for what you do for the NHL, but stop dumping on my team, okay? I'm I'm <laughs> clapping back here, okay? We see so many Canadians talk about, oh look, uh, hockey's getting outpaced. Oh, it's all Bettman's fault. Okay, what do you think will push hockey, moving it towards markets that? are new and don't have hockey in them or just keeping the hockey in the markets that are already well-funded, right? Like, what do you think's better for the league? Like, really think about this. When baseball took their, their sport to Japan, do you go, wow, that was a terrible idea. How, why would they do that? Nobody in, nobody in Japan wants to watch baseball. Now look at all the Japanese players who are coming into the league because they pushed the sport to other markets that don't have it. The Sun Belt has obviously historically not had hockey because it's hard to produce ice in you know the, the desert. 
Nowadays, we have modern technology that allows us to do this. Dubai has like a, a freaking indoor skiing resort. Okay. <laughs> so I think the technology is far enough there. Right. And we're seeing more and more Arizona based kids coming into the NHL because of what the NHL has done. By pushing the sport outwards, we produce more casual fans. We produce more diehard fans. We produce more players. Just moving the team to Quebec, do you think that you're going to gain more people watching the sport in Quebec? Do you think hey, that... Hey, Richard. Oh, yeah. Uh, Toronto's best player and their best prospect are Arizona kids. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Tage Thompson. Sorry, I, I had to throw that. I apologize. I had to because it's funny. <laughs> yep. Tage Thompson from uh, Buffalo is one of, one of their better centermen from Arizona. Glendale um, kid. Yep. Like, there's a reason they're in Arizona. It, You know, there's so much here. There's so many diehard fans. The community is getting large. A, a great example of this is Lindsey Fry, who's a now commentator, a color commentator, or maybe like an intermission con commentator. I can't really, I don't know her role. I like I like her, um, but I just don't know exactly what her role is. It's kind of one of those like in-betweener roles. And, um... Uh, she talked about it herself. She is a silver medalist for uh, the women's hockey side of things. She talked about when she grew up, uh, she had to play with boys growing up because there were no girls here. Now our girls, um, there's a guy named Matt Schott who unfortunately passed away from cancer. Uh, we lost him a year or two ago. And uh, he pushed the girls game so far here. It went from like 10 girls to like almost a thousand, I think, or something like that, playing the sport here. And he also was able to get those those um, junior levels to Division One, meaning that the girls no longer have to leave Arizona to pursue a better career. They can continue to pursue it here and get um, the ability to play for maybe a college team if you know they're good enough. That's like really, really incredible. That's development. That's what the NHL has been trying to do this whole time. And when you don't push hockey, you know, in a developing city, you're only going to fail as a sport. Like it, it's you, you have to keep bringing in new blood. It's like the lifeline of your organ or of, of your business, not your organization. It's like the lifeline of your, your business. And it's just, yeah, it's dumbfounding to me that it, one hand, it's all Bettman's fault. On the other hand, he didn't do enough. Be Bird was upset <laughs> at me. The other hand, it's, you know, he's not doing enough. It's like, what do you want him to do? Just move every team to Canada? Like, what is it? Like, 80% of Canadians, like, watch hockey? Do you think you're going to just reel in that other 20% and that's that? that'll get your... your team to the end the mlb numbers of of money no pretty it's much not you take it into context canada's tapped out like yeah. they're a massive market but you're not going to expand there why do you think the la kings especially getting wayne gretzky was, was so huge for the game coyotes you know being here and just the yep. people are like oh was austin matthews really worth all this lost money it isn't just austin matthews first off fun fact he wasn't born here but uh he did do uh like the junior robot and stuff here. David yeah, he Spina. Was... David Spina. Uh, legend. <laughs> legend that never actually made it to 
to the NHL. You had Austin Matthews, Tage Thompson. Matthew Kachuk was born here. Now, you could mm-hmm. argue because, you know, Keith Kachuk was at NHL no matter what. He could have been Canadian or, we'd say, you know, St. Louis, like his, uh, his brother. They both grew up in St. Louis. But still, he wouldn't yeah. have Matthew Kachuk. He was born here. Like that, Tage Thompson. Matt Knees. Joshua Doan, all right, the royal bloodline still being here, the Joshua Doan. Also, uh, he's a all-rookie finalist this year. He had a very, very good season. He also secured a massive NIL deal. ASU football is not securing massive NIL deals, but Joshua Doan got a massive NIL deal. Look, yep. you cannot tell me it's not developing. You cannot tell me all these players and what they're accomplishing, even if every single one of them, and let's just pretend Austin Matthews also flopped just for a second, you cannot tell me the amount, just the pure number coming through that are quality prospects, even if they all flamed out, isn't worth hockey developing here because you're getting quality talent no matter what. And all I'm going to say is I don't get the... The only thing I, I can think of is because... This market's doing so well in all those little aspects. It's it's almost jealousy, I would have to say. Be, uh, mainly because I'm a cheeky asshole. You can also move that out if you want. But also <laughs> because it's just kind of funny to think of Canadians being jealous of our poverty franchise. Anyway, we have gone way, way overboard. I'm going to steer us back real quick. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Boko Omama. All right. You yes. can say his name properly. I'm terrible at this. So I'm just going to stick with so- Boko. I'm not going to pretend like I knew how to say this. I looked up how to pronounce it because I wanted to give him the respect of uh, learning how to say at least his first name. I know last name's kind of weird. We just say Amama. I I think it's Imama. Uh, There's like like certain uh, pronunciations that make it just a little bit different. But uh, uh, his first name is Bokonji. Bokonji. That's how you say it. Sorry if I'm butchering that, but I, I wanted to learn how to say it um, fully. But yes, very special. He he has been an AHL grinder. He has grinded through the AHL. I think he's played four seasons there, and he finally got the privilege to get his first NHL game. And, and it's just the fact that I like Braden Burke. All right, actually, sorry from a comment. So I was like, hey, how's Braden Burke doing? Like two or three years ago. He's not a bad player. The problem is he was injury prone. I think they moved someone else along with him, but Braden Burke was, was like the main piece there. They acquire Boko Mama. I'm going into this thing. You know what? You know, you look at him. He's a grinder. He's definitely going to add some sandpaper. Should make Tucson tougher to play against. Didn't think much else of it. If you're looking at someone to replace like a Christian Fisher to have an extra grinder that might add some depth scoring, Ben McCartney's played well this year. But then Boko Mama down there, he starts scoring some goals. And that's... He his first game actually, I remember you were saying it that his parents because it's such a late call up didn't actually get to go to that. They actually ended up benefiting. All right, they actually ended up benefiting from this because they made it last night to his second career NHL game and he already scored in just two games. And considering how hard he's working out, it's kind of under the radar. If I'm almost convinced at this point that it's kind of you're gonna sneak him into your bottom six as an extra grinder that can tap out at about ten goals a year. Especially at, at if, if he keeps working and everything translates over. Because so far, he's looking pretty good. It's only a couple mm-hmm. games in, though. But, you know, I have to acknowledge that. You can have him tap out at about 10 or so goals. You have Lawson Kraus filling a similar role in your top six with about 20 goals. I think they're positioning themselves well enough to have decent young power forwards that are not going to be under these big Albatross Lucic-type contracts that's going to give the team an identity. It's going to give them that grit while also giving some depth scoring 
they might end up being significantly better uh, quicker than we're expecting. Now, I'm not going to say playoffs next year confirmed, but with yeah. how these kids are developing, with the system they're going for, it depends on what they do in the offseason and just the influx of young talent they're going to bring. I think Tucson probably should be a playoff team next year, depending on how they draft, depending on if those kids are going to be old enough to play in the AHL. I think it's 19 or 20. It's an extra year or so before you can go to the AHL, but they if should be significantly better. If you're um if you're in the European leagues, you can immediately jump in at 18, I believe. But um if it's anything from like the Canadian um junior leagues, uh they'll probably be a couple years like you're saying, 1920. Um, Is it like uh so you're already kind of semi-professional, so that's why you can kind of jump right into the AHL versus the juniors, you stay there for an extra year or so then you come over. So yes and no. So the big reason is because there's an agreement from between the NHL and the Canadian Junior Leagues. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the problem is is that if you draft a player, you would just put him in the AHL. Then he can be a call-up whenever. Like, it's easy that way. But the problem is is that the Canadian Junior League would be cannibalized if you were to do that. And um, so they don't... They, they have an agreement to not do that because it would be really bad for the Canadian Junior League if you just, oh, we drafted him at 18. All right, put him in the HL. Like, you know, and you did that with, you know, 100 players, let's say. I don't know how many Canadian Junior players get drafted uh, at a year, but let's say, you know, 80, 80, 80 of them do that. Like, that's a disaster for the league, like for that Canadian Junior League. So they have an agreement that you can't do that. If you're going to take a player from the Canadian Junior League, he has to play in the NHL. Uh, he cannot be taken to the AHL for a few seasons. It's two or one one or two seasons. I don't remember the exact number. I know a lot of people are trying to push for like um, for like special status on certain players. I think that would be kind of an interesting idea. So like, let's say here's our blue chip prospect, like a Barrett Hayton, right? Mm-hmm. You draft him fifth overall. What's better for his development? Putting him back in the Canadian Junior Leagues, Junior League, so he can just stomp all over the kids, or putting him in the AHL where he can have better competition. You get one player on your team that has a special, like exemplary status, where he can hop right into the AHL. But uh, unfortunately, that is not the case. I mean, I, I think it would be an interesting idea. For example, it was like. Uh, one first-round pick per season is eligible for it, but then you can't do it more than two years in a row. So that way it's yeah. not completely cannibalized. I think if you're going to do it, I, I would do it like that. But just to kind of steer back to where we were, uh, I, I think this is going to be really interesting to watch. And I also, I'm predicting Dylan Gunther makes the actual NHL next year. I think he's been too good. I don't know if AHL is going to offer him anything that the NHL couldn't offer him in terms of development. And I, I think, like I said, this, this team is going to look pretty damn good. Also, I would love to see Gunther playing with Michelli instead of Keller because I, I love that that already locked up Schmaltz, Boyd, Keller line. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited going into next year and just, you know what doesn't make me excited? You know, you know what just does not make me happy? What's Bad that? draft picks. All right. We oh. had some good trades. We had... You know, good little additions. Jack McBain has one assist in seven games so far. I think he's actually played rather solidly. I think Nathan Smith is a lot more NHL-ready out of the two. He has two goals and one assist, three points in those same seven games. So that those young kids, you know, got by a trade. Pretty solid players. I think next year is going to be exciting. I would love to see them get extensions sooner rather than later. 
So just so that way you avoid, you know, potentially losing them out for nothing or having to force a trade at the deadline. But that's just because I'm a doomsday prepper. That's just because I would rather err on the side of caution. I know you compared Nathan Smith's game to Brian Little, which is ironic because we did get Brian Little as well. well let me... Let me clarify. Uh, it was Matt McConnell on the uh, broadcast. He's the play-by-play um, broadcaster for the Coyotes. He made that comparison, and I completely agree with it. So we're, we're hitting on those so far. I think those are like, – I, I liked him when we got him. I think from what we're seeing so far, like I said, McBain's a little more two-way, and, and Smith is a little more uh, slightly undersized power forward type, I guess, would be the best way I can describe it. I know you compared yeah. – you had an interesting comparison yourself. Yeah, so my comparison is that he's not as big and physical as Nathan McKinnon, but you can tell, like, when he's on the ice, he has that angry FU energy where he just wants to just... He wants to puck, and you can see he's like a driver. Uh, it was very obvious last game, uh, Saturday, uh, versus the uh, St. Louis Blues. Like, you could just tell he was playing with that anger. Like, he... He was going to will his way to getting a goal. And I really like that about his game. He's still very undersized. He got actually beat up in that third period quite a bit by the Blues. Uh, he got hit with a flying hip check. Didn't get knocked over, but is enough to, you know, ouch, you know, hit, hit a wall pretty much. And there's a couple other Blues players that were uh, giving them some shots afterwards because I think they could tell, too, that he was playing with that angry... That angry, I'm going to go score a goal energy, and they wanted to shut that down immediately. I loved him in front of the net. Like like I said, mm-hmm. like, actually, I agree with you, and I, th- I, I said it before. Slightly undersized, but he's still playing that power forward type. He's getting in front of the goal. I almost thought, just when you see it just briefly, that it was going to get waved off for, for some reason, but he ended up just kind of tipping it in. I like that energy, I, I think. He, I, I think that was a really good one, and we, we can have all the optimism there, and McBain and uh, Smith keep playing that well. You're going to be added to my jersey collection. You had Amama, Smith, Carcone, a surprise out of the AHL last year. Tucson's done that phenomenally, where they've had guys just blow up Connor Garland. Lane Peterson didn't translate, but he also, Michael Bunting, a Calder candidate this year, even though people are arguing it. I really don't care. You can do whatever you want. Michael Carcone, and then, of course, Yanis Moser. He stole a top four job. You cannot tell me he didn't. He phenomenal he's this year. Well. He's very, really well. very, very defensively responsible. He's made like ten mistakes that I've seen, if that. He's added more depth scoring than I ever thought he would. He's a rookie. He's a, picked him up as an overager. As an he's overager. An and Kyle Pereira, when he said he was the most NHL ready of those, he was dead on. And and I'm thankful for knowing people like that that can give me good information because man, this new generation of Coyotes are going to be good. This new yep. generation is going to be good, and it just makes me excited, uh, no matter what, for next year. What doesn't make me excited is the 2018-2019 draft. Let's hold on, hold on, wait. <laughs> I'm going to put my hands up. Interject, All right. interject. What's up? What you got? I just what you got? wanted. I had a really, I had a really cool story. Uh, from the game last night. So uh, a year ago, uh, Bokonji was on uh, the LA's farm team, uh, Ontario, Ontario Rain. Yep. yep. Um, he got in a fight with Jan Yannick, who was on the Tucson Roadrunners last year. He knocked out Jan Yannick. It was a KO. It was a bad one. He got him. They both fought, knocked out. Next year, GMBA brings in uh, Bokonji, 
to play in Tucson. They work out their differences. You know, hey, no hard feelings. It's hockey. You know, people get past fights and stuff like that. They're on the same team now. They're on the same line in the NHL together. Jan Yannick's wearing a bubble dome because he broke his nose in a fight in Tucson. <laughs> and they're on the same line together. And when Bocconci scores that goal, who's digging the puck out for him other than Jan Yannick? The first one, they were sworn enemies last year, and he's digging out his first puck for the NHL. Can I also just like interject real quick? How good yeah. was Yan Yannick in that first period? Like, yeah, the, he looked really the control good. Control he had. It's, I don't know if he becomes full time NHLer, but I he might steal a bottom six spot. He's he's really smart with the puck. I like how he moves it. I like how he tries to generate shots. Keep developing that. All right, it, it's I, I like focusing on that because that's he's done some good things. He but, he, uh, he also had before they made that comeback last night. He had a shift in the third period where he was throwing his body around the whole time. So the fans were actually stood up and started celebra- uh, started cheering for him because they weren't like big like push you over hits, but there were like three hits where it was a puck carrier. He ran up and shoved them into the boards. It went to another puck carrier. He ran up and shoved them into the boards. It went to another puck carrier and he ran up and shoved them into the boards. And the fans were like getting back into it, like you know they were down and out. It was four one. And, like, that little small little energy is kind of what started the whole thing. It was just that little shift where he just gave, like, three really good shoves into the boards. And, like, the fans started, like, yeah, good, you know, good effort. And even, like, he's skating back towards the bench. And I think it was, um, uh, who's the one big one? I think it was Pareko who, like, mm-hmm. slashed him on his way by, like, a you know, stop it. And, <laughs> you know, it was, it's one of those things where it's, like, that's what starts the energy. It's, it's people forget how important two way is. It, it's yeah. it's not just about the goals. It's not just about the, the the assists. It's energy, energy lines, energy shifts, energy plays, and it's he, he's good. He's a good young kid, very good. You know, two way. Like I said, it's it. People undervalue that, and I, I think it's really good value. But like I was saying, uh, back to the stuff that makes me angry. So the draft blunders. Yes. Let's, yes. 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 All right. Let's start with twenty eighteen. Because I, I know this was a little bit uh, unrealistic. I wanted them to trade up for Brady Kachuk. That, that was never going to happen. Chaika did not like Kachuk's game for whatever reason. But what what was one nice nice young player that you wanted out of that draft? That, that I just I, I liked this this little pick. Just go ahead, and just give it to the people. Uh you wouldn't happen to be talking about one Quintinius Hughes, would you? I, I think I would. I, I think I would oh. be talking about. Same so, amount of points as the first overall pick, Rasmus Dahlin, 160. Yep. In less games as well. Uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yep. The uh, you so the Coyotes always have a uh, draft party whenever the draft is going on. Ask anybody there who was saying Quintinius Hughes. That would be me. I was pounding that drum that Quentin <laughs> Hughes was going to be a star in this league. I said it. I will pound that drum. This is not a Captain Hindsight moment. I knew that that kid was going to be electric. And I am a little sad that we did not pick him up. I knew that it was going to be Kachuk if we had the option. Well, actually, now that you tell me that that Chaika didn't like him, maybe it wasn't. But in my mind, if Kachuk was there, we were picking Kachuk. 
If Kachuk's not there, it's Hughes. I, I said that, and I was like, this is my guy. And all of a sudden, Barrett Hayden, who is projected at like 15, gets picked at 5. And I was like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> and look, I, w- and I know you agree with this too, at least, at least a good majority of it. Uh, he's developed a very good two-way game. He's definitely the kind yeah. of guy, he can be a top-nine anchor. He's at third-line center. Mostly defensively responsible. He's done, like Clayton Keller, except for I think he's a little better than Keller at this. He's putting a lot of work at that. He's also a pretty good uh, setup guy. He can finish. He, he does have some deeks and dangles, but it's it's sporadic. It, you're going to get it every now and again. I would say he maxes out at 15 goals a year. And that's 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 a max. That's a, a scoring third line, like you were saying, depending on, yeah. on the combination. But just... I, I will always defend Dylan Strom. He couldn't control where he got picked, and he's also been consistently a top six productive, good player. All right, uh, Barrett Hayton had through ninety one games in three seasons has twelve goals, fourteen assists, twenty six points. Uh, I think this is his career high with like nine goals this year. That is is that's not fifth overall. And just to go ahead and just briefly look at the next couple of picks, Zadina. Quintinius Hughes, Adam Boquist, not a bad uh, player at all. Uh, another couple picks down at 10, Evan Bouchard. Very solid young player right now, and you keep looking down. I wouldn't have minded them trading down with, like, 18 where Columbus picked and getting Liam Foody. I don't think that's a bad young prospect. Obviously, uh, Barrett Hayden's had more games, more production. But when you look at – I'm looking at these lists, looking at, at these names, and I'm just like – the problem with John Chaika is he made trades that looked decent on paper – and his drafting was terrible in the first round because he would get tunnel vision. He just he liked Barrett Hayton. We're going to talk very briefly in a minute about Soderstrom, but it, it's it's double that. It's just he 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 sees something he likes and he will trade up or he will reach to get that. And the problem is, if Barrett Hayden was a 15th pick, if Barrett Hayden was a 23rd pick, if Barrett Hayden was a 33rd early early second round, nobody would care. People would be like, you yep. know what, that's a solid projection, you know, third-line anchor. Good, solid young player, not great, but good. You know, you're Ryan Dezingle type. But fifth overall, with Hughes being someone that was kind of can't miss to a context back then. You saw Bouchard, yep. Boquist, Zadina. You had too much there, in my opinion, to to whiff as bad as they did. Yeah, and... and, it, and- I don't even hate Hayden's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't even hate Barrett. It's just, <laughs> we could have had Quinn Hughes. <laughs> yep. So, so I will say this. Barrett Hayden has had some bad string of injuries. Uh, that is one thing that has affected his game. We will acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also acknowledge that his first year back from after being drafted, he went to the Sioux. Um, he looked pretty good. He also led Team Canada to a gold on a torn rotator cuff? Some shoulder injury, I'll say that. He he scores a goal as the captain to win against Russia for the gold medal. Um, So there is some pedigree there. The problem is is that when you see him translating his game into the NHL, I, I don't see it yet. Maybe it'll click. Sometimes it happens. But... To me, at best, he looks like a third-line center. He looks like a very good third-line center, but he looks like a third-line center, and that is not what you're using your fifth overall pick for. 
And even I, at the AHL level, he hasn't been that good. Last year, 26 games, four goal, uh, six goals, four assists, 10 points. This year, only four games, one assist. I'm not going to put any stock into that. That would be unfair. But just, it, I got to go to some of those Tucson games, and he he just didn't look that good. It's or, or, or Watch him, excuse me. I think I went to one that he, he was playing uh, this year. But still, it's... It sucks. It's unfortunate. It's one of those things where I I don't want this to be misconstrued as hate towards Hayton himself. I like the player. I just wish if they were going to get him, if they were just dead set on Barrett Hayton, they would have traded back, got an extra asset. Think about it like this. Depending on who you trade with, you could have got Hayton and Foodie. Hayton and maybe you could have got like Ryan Merkley. Hayton and I'm kind of looking down a little bit further just trying to find something decent. You could have maybe got... Lindbaum, he could have got a woo. It was a couple of decent, you know, Jack Drury. I like Jack Drury. He isn't an NHLer yet. Probably doesn't end up breaking out, but you could have. There was a couple of young players, good names, decent guys that you could have had in addition if you really wanted to trade back and get Hayden, it, just depending on the trade you make. And I'm like, I, I don't see any, even the next 10 slots after he was picked, anyone taking him. I, I just don't. I know centers get overvalued. I know they jump so- up a lot. I just don't see it. So interestingly enough, the report was that the Coyotes had to pick him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were thinking about uh, falling back, but the problem is, is that uh, apparently this is the report. We don't mm-hmm. know; it's unconfirmed that Chicago was going to take Barrett Hayton at, at eight. At eight. Yep. And they ended up taking. But up. once again, Both who ones. cares? You pick <laughs> best player available, and the best player available was Quinton Hughes. Let's I, not I, kid ourselves. I think GMs overthink it too much because, yep. oh, I don't want to miss out on this prospect, but yeah, we needed a center. Yeah, in theory, the pick is good if Hayton translates the way you wanted him to. But the problem is you took a risk with someone that was projected lower because the eighth overall wanted him when, I, I'm just going to say it, and again, it's not a knock against Hayton as a person, I think Zadina and Hughes are both better players. I think either of them would have been a better pick at five, especially Hughes. And I'm just I, I don't get it. I, I just I, I don't understand it. I think what I'm going to start doing is uh, when the draft parties come around, I'm going to be on my phone. I'm going to be at the draft party, and before the pick <laughs> comes out, I'm going to say who my projected pick was and see if I can do better than some of these general managers. I have more faith in Bill Armstrong now, but. Mm-hmm. Why? You know, a great thing that you were talking about was once Chaika gets enamored with a player, he honed in on them. Now, we'll make an exception. In 2017, he had a great draft, but this is a perfect example of it. He picks with his uh, seventh, he picks uh, Clayton Keller. Yes. Pretty good. Yes. Yes. Pretty good. Okay. Uh, He's at 18 or 19. I don't remember. Um he trades up to 14 or 13, somewhere in there. He trades up a little bit, takes on Pavel Datsuk's contract for two years at seven and a quarter million, something like that. Don't quote me. And uh, by d- taking on that dead contract, he moves up a couple of spots. Who's he pick? Jacob Chikrin. Oh, you mean the captain? The, the captain himself? <laughs> the captain himself. And, uh, once again, to go back to the honing in on players thing, and once he gets enamored, he gets enamored, that would be Jacob Chikrin. 
And remember, Jacob Chikrin wasn't just like a, oh, he was an all-star coming out of it. He played at 18. This was actually Tippett, I believe, who started him at 18, mm-hmm. if my memory serves me. And he slowly progressed into the role that he is now. Um, but he, to, to fin- finish up, like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm losing train of, tra- train of thought here on how to, to how to tie this up in a little bow. Once he gets enamored, he gets enamored. We saw this with Jacob Chikrin, and we now have seen this with uh, Victor Schoderstrom. And so far, Victor Schoderstrom is looking like a little bit of a reach. All right, I, I'll take over real quick, because this... Yep. Uh, you can ask Richard... Tag out, tag out. I, so tag out? What you got? I, I, tag out, tag out, tag me out. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can ask Richard. He's a very honest man. Uh, he hasn't lied to me, at least to my knowledge so far. I said I would scream in this podcast when I double-checked over this. <laughs> I was mad when I saw So when this happened, allegedly, allegedly, and the thing is I hate this, this like, mindset. It's like this, like, two-way to think about it where... I give my opinion on something, and it's just my opinion, and I'm like, this is why I'll explain my reasoning. Armchair GMs don't know what they're talking about. Yet, whenever this happened, oh, Philadelphia was going to take him. They had to move up to get Victor Soderstrom. All right, Victor Soderstrom, who's played two seasons, 17 games, one goal, one assist, two points. He has not been the offensive player that they've needed him to be. He has not developed into what you need him to be yet. He's a very good two-way, primarily defensive defenseman. I think he's made some pretty good strides there. But you did not move up and waste the extra asset to go up. Well, I think they were at what, like, who did they trade with? They traded, I think they were at like 17 or 18 when they made that trade, were they? But they only went up like a few spots. And they uh, go. So Am I think I, the trade was that we traded with Philadelphia. At number and 14? We, we moved up to, um, to take Soderstrom from Minnesota. I believe right. that's what it was. Well, everyone was telling me it was Philadelphia, which I was like, uh, sure. Whatever. I think we made. I think we made the trade with Philadelphia. Well, if, if we were fourteen see. overall, because I remember being mad, we only moved up two or three spots, so that makes sense. But at the same time, Philadelphia saw it as we get uh, an extra asset as well because they traded a second round pick. I said it should have been a third round pick because that second round pick uh, either ended up becoming this nobody, Bobby Brink, or ended up uh, getting traded off for another asset later. But, anyway, so you, you wasted the second-round pick to move up, like, three spots. And here's everyone that went in the next, like, six spots. So, Matt Boldy, Spencer Oof. Knight, Cam Oof. York, Cole Oof. effing Caulfield, Oof. the guy we were trying to trade the, instead of Connor Timmons, the guy we were trying to acquire, Alex Newhook, Oof. and Peyton Krebs. Oof. <laughs> I got you I, there. Got you back. Uh, Hype man here. Scream uh, okay. for me. So, Scream. So, Fetal position. <laughs> okay, okay. So, <laughs> I made a video. It's my most viewed video just shy of 6K views about me being mad how the Coyotes could have had Gold Caulfield. Imagine. Imagine for a second. Keller, Caulfield, or Caulfield on the left, you can have him on the right, doesn't matter, with Connor Garland, especially since Connor Garland wanted to be more of a playmaker, you could, you could have put you know, Schmaltzy with him, uh, if they ended up reacquiring Galley, I don't I don't remember which year they had Galley, it was 18-19, so it would have been a little, like the year after I think they traded away Galley, but you could have yes. re- 
Could have kept Galley and had Galley be the center. Could have had Dvorak be the center. Imagine the production. Oh, it could have taken an extra year, sure. But at the same time, if if, if you would have had the the right coach, I, I love Andre Tournier. I think Andre Tournier should have been the coach for the last couple of years. I don't care what anyone has to say. But you could have had that line. And again, looking at the rest of these players, they tried to trade for New Hook. Multiple reports, they tried to trade for New Hook. Peyton Krebs, a very solid forward. Very solid player. Cam York, right now... Uh, has more games, more experience, and more points than Soderstrom. See, he has 10 points. That's eight more than Soderstrom right now. And he's also more so playing in the NHL than Victor is. Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight is part of the reason I would be okay with trading Chikrin because the alleged, alleged, the reported deal would have been a first Spencer Knight and uh, Anton Lundell. And if you're trading me that... Alright? I'm not thinking twice. You can have whoever you want on this team that isn't named Clayton Keller. Sorry. Anyway. So, Matt Boldy. Another guy that Minnesota will never trade him unless, like, he demands something like he's not working out. He's, you know, whatever. The amount of raw talent that was just after Soderstrom. And I remember so many Coyotes fans just tearing into me when I was like, I don't get that pick. It's a reach. It was a waste of an asset. I hated throwing away a second-round pick to move up three spots. Oh, did you think they were just going to move up for free? You add two-thirds. Thirds are, well, you're going to have higher available talent at second. Why wouldn't you just package the two-thirds if you really wanted to move up that bad? Stop wasting second-round picks. And then you also get an asset that while he is still a good defensive player and right-handed shot defenseman will always have more value than a left-handed shot defenseman. I don't know. I don't fully know why, but I know it also comes with like pairing, uh, being able to have that guy on the right side that has the proper hand to fish it around. There's a couple of yeah. more technical reasons for it. but Supply and demand. Exactly. Supply and demand. Great. I, I love the interjection, but... They could have had an elite young player. And anyone, anyone that was paying attention even said Soderstrom's a reach. Like, everyone that knows hockey said it was a reach. I said it was stupid to waste the asset for the guy. Who cares if he wouldn't have been there? Let's say they still pick 14. Let's just say that Soderstrom still goes 11 and he goes to Philadelphia. All right? So Arizona missed out on Boldy and Knight Shore. You still could have had new hook. Krebs or Caulfield. That is one of the reasons why, like, it, this team will never win the cup with those certain those certain regimes, those certain stupid mindsets. One of the reasons I don't like Marulo is because he idolized John Chica, and Chica made some very good trades. Most of those trades, though, looked better at the time than they did a year or so later, which is a huge problem, and he did make very good value, like third, fourth round picks. I give him all the credit there. But we could have had an elite young player. We could have had yeah. Gold Caulfield. I, 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 I'm having an aneurysm, I feel like, right now. I, just, I, I <laughs> Take it away. I'm just going to keep screaming at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To uh, to go back to n assets that were mismanaged, I want to take a look at the Taylor uh, the Taylor Hall deal just real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, goodness gracious, I'm trying to find this quickly as 
quickly as possible. So we traded away uh, a few assets, right? And this is the one that hurts the most. Okay. I understand going for it, but this is, I, I just want to point something out. This is why you never hand away magic beans. This is why you don't hand away your, your picks because this one hurts. You ready for this? All right. Give it to me. I, I'm, I'm down to yell. <laughs> okay. So we trade away for Taylor Hall, who honestly plagued the team. Uh, ask any Coyotes fan. The, the Coyotes went from a hardworking team to, ah, uh, we don't need to score anymore. Score anymore. Taylor Hall will get will score for us. I disagree, Seriously, that's but I'm what, also the minority. I am the only person that liked Taylor Hall. Ask anyone I, I, else that I hated him. What, <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I, I agree. I liked Taylor Hall, but the problem was mm -hmm. that... The second we traded for him, the rest of the team stopped trying because they're like, ah, we're fine. You, like, you know, when you're like when you're doing homework, right? And like one quarter, you got like a an A because you did all your homework and you're like, ah, next quarter, I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit less homework because now nah, I'll skip a couple of days. And then you show up, and you get a D and you're like, oh, crap. That's what happened. <laughs> the team went from a hardworking A to I'll skip a couple homework assignments because I'm at an A. I'll, I don't care. I'll, I'll be fine. I think you have a good point there, except for one thing. I genuinely believe, and no one can convince me otherwise, he helped unlock Connor Garland's full potential as a 20-goal scorer because they paired those two. And Halsey has a very good pass, a very good setup mind. And I think him and Garland connected for more than enough goals that I think he elevated Garland. But I also am not going to try to argue against what you're saying for the rest of the team. But because Garland's a favorite player and unlocked his potential, I think it's probably one of, one of the reasons why I'm biased and I liked Halsey's addition so much was because I loved that pairing. I, I love that pairing like more than like a lot of other pairings we've had because that, that was Connor Garland's like breakout year and they paired them together. Uh, I think throughout the majority of the time when uh, when uh, Halsey was here. Yeah. All right. So let's get let me let me throw out some trades here or All throw right. out the trade here. All right. So it's Taylor Hall and Blake Spears mm -hmm. for Nick Merkley, Nate uh, Nate Schnarr, Kevin Ball, and that that 2020 first round pick by the little name of Dawson Mercer. Dawson Mercer. Would have been an Arizona Coyote. Just to give a little example here, a rookie who isn't talked about all that much in the uh, in New Jersey. In 78 games played, he has 41 points, 16 of them goals, 25 assists as a rookie. It. I would not care about what you just told me right now if they would have re-signed Hall and they would have kept mm -hmm. Hall and Garland together and then it still changed the coach because uh, you know my feelings on Rick Tockett. Yep. <laughs> you and I have similar feelings. I did not like Tockett after season two. I went, no. <sighs> Draft picks, I will agree real quick just to try to stay calm. They are uh, anomalies, you know. You you don't want to have your entire future be just first-round picks because you still have to hit on them, and even if you hit on them, you still have to develop them properly. Injuries, you know, Barrett Hayden it has affected him, obviously. I still like the player, but 
you're not going to get that fifth overall pedigree because of, in part, that. I think also in part trying to rush him a bit, him not being right for Tockett's system. We can go on and on, but they are, it is a bit of an illusion with 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 draft picks. Yeah, you yep. still don't throw around first round picks like they're candy because. Yep. Even, okay, let's just say, for example, we kept the pick. It stays the exact same, right, whatever, and we don't pick up Mercer. You said it was a 2020 draft, right? I want to just take a real yep. quick... Yep, 2020 draft. And remember, this is draft. the year This is the year when everything kind of fell apart. There was a shutdown, and then there was a bubble. Uh, the Coyotes had to play into the bubble. They were out of it because they choked that badly. They Remember, at the time, this pick wasn't terrible. They were first... In the Pacific Division, they were first. And it wasn't just a, oh, we squeaked up to the first, let's get something to stay there. They were in first for like three weeks, okay? So this team wasn't bad. It was playing all right. They were playing all right. And they, and this was the, all right, let's commit and go for it trade. All right. The problem is you can trade all the assets that you've looked at you want. I don't disagree with moving assets that you've already drafted. This is why... You don't trade away assets that have not been drafted yet. All right, so here, and we're all. I'm also going to be considering trading down to get more assets, right? So we could have had Dawson Mercer. Here are a couple other solid young players that haven't quite like reached the NHL, haven't quite hit whatever, but they would still, at the very least, at the very least, help Tucson. All right, so let's go ahead and just go over a couple little names. So. Uh, you have Hendrix LaPerriere, not bad. Connor Zeri at 24. Justin Barron. A little guy named Jake Neighbors, you know, for uh, for the St. Louis Blues. One of the things that I wouldn't have minded if, if they would have traded Chikrin there. Getting Jake Neighbors. Uh, Jakob Pro, not bad. A couple decent younger players that you could have traded back if you really, really felt the need, right? So, you still, even if they wouldn't have got Mercer, would have had something to show for it. Blake Spears is not Mercer. Blake Spears is not even LaPerriere. Uh, Blake Spears is not even Jacob Perot or Jake Neighbors. Blake Spears is nothing. I, I, I don't even dislike Blake Spears, but he's mostly been hurt he's, or uh, sucked so bad he wasn't in the lineup. He's never going to make the NHL. And I remember with the hockey, I was like, oh, you know, Taylor Hall's gone, but sometimes it's that additional asset you don't think about that ends up being, you know, value for you. Yeah, Blake Spears ain't it. He ain't it, and I don't even dislike the guy, but he's not it. So the fact that you still, even if for whatever reason you look at Dawson Mercer and you're like, F that guy, still have some solid, decent, younger players that could be in Tucson right now developing, and you could have traded back and had an extra asset or two. All I'm saying is the stupid mismanagement, because, again, if they re-sign Hall, if they re-sign Hall and they keep that roster competitive and they're still uh, making the playoffs, you know, let's say they made the playoffs last year or still on the playoff hunt this year, then it's fine. We don't care about losing Dawson Mercer. We don't care about this. But when those trades don't hit and then you have to blow it up and lose stuff for nothing like Taylor Hall, it shows how short-sighted it was. I was so excited to get Halsey. But the fact that they, they chose, they chose not to try to keep him even just to try to 
to try to trade him at the next deadline or something like that, which you can argue the ethics on that. Sure, whatever. I think all's fair in uh, trying to un-F your franchise when you mess it up, right? I think it's all fair in that. The fact that they didn't even try any of that. You could also argue Halsey looked at this roster and said, I'm not staying here. Also within his right. Also a valid counterpoint. But if you would have just kept that. Ball is not looking bad. Schnarr's kind of, you know, kind of gone off. Uh, kind of not really doing a whole lot. And then Merkley, I think, got traded to San Jose because he wasn't doing much. Also, And then I think prone. he got traded again. Again? <laughs> I think so. Unless that was the other Merkley there. They have two Merkleys, but one of them got traded away. I'm pretty sure And they're sure not related, Nick. apparently. I, I was so excited no, they, they could have two they Merkleys. Look, <laughs> the, the crazy part is they look really similar. I thought they were brothers. They're both, like, <laughs> similar complexions and, like, face structures. I was like, they must be brothers. Nope. No correlation. But just, this hurts teams. Every team makes these mistakes, but when, like, people wonder why the Coyotes don't have long-term success and why, uh, I know Urinating Tree said this about the Cardinals, but it, it also fits the Coyotes. No one is excited when the team's good. They're surprised and just kind of waiting for them to go back into the basement because it only every, every now and again you'll get good for a year or two. That's why. Because the... the even though all three of those prospects I just listed, I do not care about losing. Merkley's injury-prone, Ball's just a pretty solid size guy, and Schnarr, you know, kind of just pittered out. He might he might end up being something, but I don't really, I don't see it personally. You still could have had assets to move into other trades, turn into other draft picks, and really control where you want to bring the franchise. You can't tell me Schnarr didn't have value. He was part of the Hall trade. You can't tell me that Merkley didn't still have value. Even if you're getting third, fourth round picks, that's extra assets you can use for other trades or bring in other young players that you think might fit your mold better. But they lost it and didn't even keep Hall! (laughs) Yep. This is why it is very scary to go for it. You have to be confident that your team is a good team to go for it. And this team had never been to the playoffs. This team had, well, not, I shouldn't say had never, but this group had mm-hmm. never been to the playoffs, aside from like Ekman Larson, who he was a kid when he was in the playoffs. Like, this team was not ready to go for it all. I'm sorry, but that is the truth. You don't make a trade like a Taylor Hall. Once again, I agree with you. Played pretty okay for us. He wasn't terrible. Um, but you don't make those trades until you've made it to the playoffs a couple of times. Look at a perfect example of this is actually Colorado. The first year that they made back to the playoffs, were they picking up every asset at the deadline to, to solidify their chances of going deep? No. They wanted to like sack it wanted to feel it out and say all right what is this team are they a, a deep playoff contender or are they just a really good um you know season team like what are they before he started wasting assets on that and you just you can't make that trade and after hearing like what was going on with Chaika in the background like the noise in the background it made more sense of why he did that because he had no interest of being here. He was like, all right, I'm going to just leave after this season, so I'm just going to do whatever. Like, all the hard work that I put into this this organization, I'm just going to nuke it at the last second. It's like, why? 
And it wasn't just it wasn't just him costing us Mercer either. Remember, he illegally tested players, which also led to us losing Cole Sillinger. If you look at how Cole Sillinger's playing, pretty good. Could you imagine this team with Dawson Mercer, Cole Sillinger? And then on top of that, also having Gunther in the background? Hell, that pick would have been higher because they wouldn't have traded for Hall. And let's just say they would have had a little more a similar drop off. Then the pick could have been a little higher, even if it's only slightly. Yeah. Uh, if I pull back up that 2020 draft, I'm just going to look at two slots higher than Mercer, just to show like how much of a difference a couple uh, of of slots really could make. So Dawson Mercer, you could have been up, uh, let's say around 15, 16, 17, and you could have grabbed Mercer or traded down to still grab Mercer and have an extra asset of any of these nice younger players. It to put it into context. <laughs> Or can you, try to can you, trade up. Can you tell me who's who's at twelve? At twelve? Oh, a little Anton Lundell. Which, if you're at eighteen, huh? it's realistic to be able to package an asset and go up. Yeah, who's, who's at uh, who's at thirteen? <laughs> oh, uh, Seth Jarvis. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, solid <laughs> young player. It's because yeah. ob- obviously, uh, Amarov and and Goulet so far aren't exactly like you're not looking at a household name you're not looking at a cole caulfield miss but a couple of slots it makes the pick even, more valuable and you can then flip it if someone doesn't like what they see even even at 14 dylan dylan holloway let's just say you don't have the hindsight to pick a mercer mm-hmm. dylan holloway is still pretty good yeah it's, it's mismanagement because i at the time i was so excited because i i saw what this team could be but here's the problem I saw what they can be in spite of Rick Tockett, and I was focusing on that. But they were still in Tockett's system, no matter what. You can only be so successful for so long. Why do you think they only produce a total of, I think it was, three 20-goal scorers in the four seasons that Tockett was, was coach? Yeah, there was injuries, sure, whatever. You can't tell me that a, a good coach leads to a team that can't produce at least two 20-goal scorers a season. Like, you, you, you cannot convince me. Okay. It was Connor Garland, Clayton Keller, and Phil Kessel. Look at look at Turnier. Look at what he's done. We we have three, ten right? people. Three or four. We uh three I think. Kells, Schmaltzy, Krauser. I thought there was one. I'll, I'll double check. Say what you were saying, and I'll just double check and see if we got the so, third one. I mean, just to show how good coaches coach. Look at what Turnier is doing with a roster that is almost all AHL players. I'm pretty sure at this point there's more AHL players or young kids than there is NHLers. Like, this team has been riddled by injuries coming down the end of this, and they still were able to compete with the Washington Capitals, and they're still able to compete with the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, they got blown out previously, and yeah, they got blown out at the beginning. There's a lot to that, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, like... To compete with those teams, that's pretty impressive, and especially with all the injuries that they have now. It's a compliment to the deep drafting. It's a compliment to how they're developing the young players they do have. It's a compliment to Turnier's system. This, turning it around the way they are, and yeah, they're losing. Who effing cares? I don't. This season was never about winning. 
All right. My expectations were I didn't think they were going to be the worst team in the Central because I saw other teams having significant weaknesses. And a lot of the times, look at what happened with the Misfits in Vegas. When you get guys that are thrown away for nothing, things can happen. I didn't expect, like, my absolute cap was a second wild card spot. That was the max if everything went perfectly. But I expected them to not be the worst team in the league, not the worst team in their division. And they ended up not reaching that which everyone else was right on that. I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. I'm an optimist. But when I, this season is about development, what we're looking like in the future, how we're building, and it the, the strides they've made, the young kids that no one would have ever thought were going to be consistent NHLers, the, the young kids that no one would have thought would have been even, like, middling NHLers, Jan Unique, some Coyotes fans have given up on. I remember you had a couple of, of reservations. Richard did not give up on it, but he had some reservations, mainly because of how other players have developed. Uh, seeing Hayden adjust his two-way game, seeing Boko Mama come in and be a solid young power forward, seeing Yanis Moser steal an NHL job in his rookie season, it, it's mm-hmm. that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the young kids, how they're progressing, and what the core is going to be. Because I'll say it right now, I don't care if they trade Yan Unique. I don't care if they trade, uh, not Moser, Moser's untouchable for me, but other young players that are playing well. I don't care if you trade them for other assets moving forward because they've increased their value. And then you can use that to plug what holes you have. So it's like, that's what I'm looking for, and they have made strides in that that regard. And even though it it, it hurts, it sucks, it's draining, that chick... Uh, Keller are out, and and the team is just riddled with injuries. Season-ending injuries, Fisher's out. I I don't like him, but I know other people are high on him. Krauser's out. Uh, a couple other guys. I like I like Fish as a as a human. Mm-hmm. I don't like him as a player. Yeah, he's a I very he's entertaining the... human being. A very good guy. Yeah. And nothing bad to say about him as a person. And it's yeah, no, it's, it's you still find something to look forward to. Find something to look at, and with how they've managed the assets, how this draft could go. Uh, let's put this in a context, and this is not hyperbole. This is realistic with how deep this draft is with their first and second round assets. They could essentially draft their own brand new first line, a top pairing defenseman, and another like top goalie prospect. Realistically. Yep. Not yep. even like a stretch. It's a possibility. There is so much to be excited for. And it's like, that's what you're looking for in a season like this. Where you're at, what you might want to move around, how you might want to reposition. And uh, now that I've filibustered for long enough, what do you got? (laughs) I got that we have been on Coyotes for one hour and 18 minutes. And I think that we need to draw this section to a close (laughs) or else we're going to keep going for another three more hours. Oh, all right, that's gonna, that's gonna do it for us. I'm just gonna get out of here. It's hot. I want to go watch the Suns and deal with Mason. Richard wants to go, not have to think about uh, my lovely voice for the next 16 hours. Because you got to pack. I got to pack. I'm going <laughs> camping. I'm going. I'm going camping for four days. So I got to pack up my bag. It's gonna be in the wilderness, just lost and cold. And yep. if we don't show up next week. Richard didn't Probably die. He just decided he was done with me. That's it. He just decided he was done with the podcast. I, I decided that I'm going to become a caveman and I'm just going <laughs> to live off the land. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for me. You guys have a good All one. Right. <laughs>
Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, make sure to give us a like and a follow, uh, subscription on whatever platform you listen to us on or watching us on. Uh, we are a small channel here, and we could always use the, uh, you know, the subscri the the scribbles, the scribbles, the scribbles, those things. Yeah, those things. Anyways, I don't know what I'm going on, on with here. Thank you so much for watching, and uh, go Suns and Rattlers.